Welcome to a new episode of DevSecOps Talk. Today, we have some news from GCP and some updates about HashiCorp's products. So, hello, friends. How are you today? Julian, good, thank you. You good? Yeah? yeah all good. Uh, Andre, you fine? Good. Yeah. Uh, coupling with uh, autumn and kids being sick. Yeah, it's that time. It's that time. It's gray. Kids are sick and trying to hold on. Soon it will soon be Christmas, right? Then it'll be a little bit more happy. Andre, have you been working on any fun or interesting projects last time? Well, uh, yeah, it was a lot of interesting stuff. But something I wanted to highlight is that I finished I finished listening history overall. Uh, podcast, yeah, and I binged through that in three weeks. Wow, and that's eight hours of content, <laughs> so, which tells you it's a good podcast. Yeah, if, you, if you're into history like I am, check out History Overall podcast, it's quite old, I think it's some years old now. Yeah, but um, a lot of insights and about how democracy works and how we came to be how we are because the Roman civilization influenced a lot of stuff so much. And like if you speak the Latin languages, yeah. For instance in Spanish, the Germany is Alemania. Yeah. And now I know why, because there was a German tribe called Aleman. <laughs> That, uh, that the Romans were fighting. Yeah. That was Germanic tribe. So, that, and, and the name just stuck. Yeah. So. <laughs> cool stuff. Cool stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of podcasts. I was listening to one as well, but it's about the murder. So then I can't really tell you uh, how it ends, right? Because then we just ruined the whole podcast for you. But uh, it's uh, To Live and Let Die in LA. It's called. It's two episodes. Hmm. It's, uh, oh, okay. it's interesting, actually. It's some. Uh, it uses some technology, like uh, well, they're trying to find people that are lost, right? So they're using some, of course, GPS mm. tracking and all that stuff. Uh, it's all iPhones reporting on your location. Yeah, around you. exactly, exactly. Right? <laughs> How can you go to the store without nobody notice? Right? How can you do that? It's really hard, actually. But, but Julian, you have been doing something, right? It's been some announcements from uh, GCP. Oh, yeah. It was the next conference. So yeah. this is where Google announced all the new features. Some of them were, I mean, in the making, uh, in preview. But now they officially announced. And I, I gathered like four main ones. Yeah. Because otherwise we could do like a two-hour <laughs> podcast with whatever. <laughs> Everything was announced, but uh, I think relevant to DevSecOps, I find that um, one great initiative uh, in the in security was the Salsa framework. Yeah. So it, it basically SLSA. It stands for um, Supply Chain Level for Software Artifact, and it's a framework that ranks the the level of security that your supply chain has. Yeah. So depending on your use case, you can go completely secure with, you know, a, a, the, the provenance or the, you, you know exactly where the artifact come from, from beginning to end. So from, from, you know, code dependency and everything up to nice. production. And 
there is a, this a really nice project that goes with it. That's called Corsign. Yeah. Uh, open source. I really recommend you check it out on GitHub. It allows to add some uh, metadata onto the container, uh, basically onto the container registry. And it's uh, going super fast. Uh, the evolving, the, the, they're adding feature almost weekly. Uh, yeah. It's a really a project to, to follow. Um, also, there is, a, you know, Anthos, which is like the on-prem solution uh, for Google, is now um, standardized. Uh, you, you can basically use VM onto Kubernetes uh, with uh, Anthos, which is under the hood. Uh, you can use uh, KubeVirt. So it's for the application that cannot easily be containerized. You uh -huh. can still manage them in Kubernetes. Uh, but, but you run them, them as like a regular yeah. deployment, but it's a VM instead, no? no? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you will see instead of containers, you see VMs. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. So it's in, you just they ex expand the API more or less with a new. Uh, ah, cool. So yeah, now you have a. It's. I I haven't really looked into it because it's it's. I never really had that use case, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, especially if you have maybe some storage requirements. Yeah. I, I think like you're doing storage on Kubernetes is still not very streamlined and very use case specific. Yeah. Um, also a great announcement. I'm so happy about that is a managed service for Prometheus. Ah. So now you do not need to deploy your Thanos and Prometheus. <laughs> you would have, you would just have to pay basically, yeah, yeah. which is a great time saver. Because again, doing storage and scalability uh, for your metrics is actually a pain. It, it's not like a, it, it's hard, it's just time consuming. And we might want to spend, you know, we, yeah. we assume that monitoring is just there, but it, it actually takes work. But, but even this, even this Prometheus operator is such pain in the back, yeah. running Prometheus on your own. Yeah, but how, how does it collect the data? Because you need then access inside your cluster to scrape all the endpoints, right? Yeah, so yeah. Th this service is in preview right now, so I haven't had the chance to test it. But yeah, I I'm, I'm I would be first in line if I yeah, could have it. Amazon's um, managed Prometheus from GA like a week or two ago. Yeah, and what they do is you still run Prometheus, but Prometheus doesn't store your metrics; yeah, it only scrapes okay. and then pushes it yeah. to the Amazon managed Prometheus. So it's more like a proxy. Or yeah, a crowd, yeah. if you like. Because you can I would uh, imagine yeah. Google did something similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think so, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't really figured out, like, because there is no, not yet a pricing on it, but according to the pricing, you, you can see. But basically, it scales. Yeah. So, you know, the, the problem with Prometheus is that if you have more than one instance, how do you query? You know all of them. Yeah. And you have to do query aggregation. It's like a. It's not trivial, but it can be done. Um, on the another also feature that is gonna revolutionize uh, the scalability problem that one may have about database is Spanner gets a Postgres interface. So instead oh, of going wow. through a, to your own Postgres, you can use Spanner, which has like a transaction. Uh, distributed transaction. Yeah. Uh, this this spanner is kind of like. A, I'm not sure if there is something equivalent on the other cloud, but you you can no. scale planet wide and have transaction uh, be done atomically. It's black magic to be honest. Like this is the kind of things you you, you really wonder 
how it works and the, the smart people who worked on it. But I I think actually Spanner is open source. Is it Cockroach DB? That's the open yeah. source version. And then I think uh, they're using like uh, Atomic Clock to set like time stain. Now it's really hard for for a regular person to get the Atomic Clock running, right? But uh, <laughs> I think Google has one in every data center and then they can build a trans- transaction on that Atomic Clock, right? Yeah, I, I would. I, I would. <laughs> it's funny, but we, we, when you need cesium in your data center, to be able to, uh, th- that's when you know you've gone too far. Yeah, I would take that as a quote. When you need uh, cesium in your data center, it's time to uh, to reconsider, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and there is plenty of other announcements about security. Yeah. They have a managed GraphQL lifecycle API with APG. They have a new serverless uh, runtime. Cool. Uh, there is a preview of build pack for Cloud Run. So now it's really like a Heroku-like experience. You don't even need to write a Docker file anymore, just like push. But wow. those features are semi-private in beta. Uh, binary authorization also get a good uh, boost. Uh, all those things, all good stuff. Good, uh, good improvement for security and scalability. So it's going in the right direction, I would say. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, anything of those would affect your work? Something that you would use straight away? The manage permit your service. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's more like a chore. You know, it's like yeah. that you have yeah. to manage because you you just. You want to see your metrics. You don't really want to manage the monitoring stack. I, I read um, an article about uh, Uber that created their own metrics database called M3 uh, because they, they find out that storing those metrics was costing way too much. And they tried to keep the monitoring cost down to 50% of all infrastructure cost. Um, I would highly recommend you, you look at S3, which is like a, you, you, can, you, you can forward those metric the Prometheus metrics to M3 yeah. and it will store them um, as opposed to Thanos who actually use a, a bucket to uh, okay. store your metrics. So th- there is pros and cons in, in both. But uh, yeah, the, the Prometheus one and the spanner uh, Postgres interface is more like, oh, you can go from zero to, you know, really high scalability. Um, I would love to implement the uh, Salsa framework uh, yeah, that uh, sounds really interesting as well. Yeah, at Spotify yeah. we have something similar already, so I don't think it's going to uh, impact very much my work. But uh, I'm glad for the open source community because supply chain attacks are on the rise. Yeah, they are. They are. It's been a big problem as well because you want to have all that libraries coming in, right? Because you want to develop quick. And you, if you're a small company, you can't build everything. You need to, you need to rely on other people's code. But then you're also vulnerable for these supply chains attacks. It's like, where do you want to go? Uh, so if you have a tool that can help you with it, uh, that's, uh, that's a big thing. Yeah, I don't know. Some people who got your libraries, but you covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would say that uh, I'm, I'm in the machine learning space. So the there is also uh, some um, machine learning attack vector. So people can reverse engineer your model in a matter of you know seconds, if not minutes. Um, and there is some protection with that, and it's also in the new announcement. But I feel it's it's a very particular problem that not many companies have. I'm seeing. I think most companies are still struggling of getting a model yeah. uh, out there. 
And so protecting the model maybe, you know, security doesn't always come first, unfortunately. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's uh, most relevant for the... It has less impact on the overall uh, user base, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true, true. Yeah, actually, I, th I think it's an interesting problem of protecting data models since you have this uh, adversarial training, right? Yes. Where you can use input and output of another model to train adversary model, which means that if you have access to the model, you could feed it inputs, get the outputs, and then have another machine learning model that basically figure out the, how it works. It will not understand what's inside, but it will get the same coefficients to balance itself in a similar way. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, company who charge for, you know, a premium service using AI might want to protect their API. Hmm. Uh, thankfully, there is not uh, so much out there. Already. That's a million dollar startup idea, <laughs> protecting the machine learning from reverse engineering. I yeah, it, it, it's not trivial. Uh, it's really not easy to solve because it, it means like you, you, well, we can talk about it like at length, but uh, already the, the, the answer of a model is not always deterministic. So mm. how do you scramble that? With, uh, how do you filter out bad actors? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. You have Oracle running your legal. <laughs> <laughs> but are Oracle the bad actor or not, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like you, you bring a cat to cheese the mouse, yeah. in, mouse in your house, and then yeah, you need to bring Oracle don't need to do a cloud. They need to do like a legal as a service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. L lawyer as a service. Yeah. That's well, coming as a service. <laughs> coming in your nearest cloud. <laughs> Should we move on to the next topic for today? Some yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, some so it's not only Google Next, right? No. There were also KubeCon, uh, North America. But yes. who cares about Kubernetes? No, it's just uh, mainstream it's like today, right? Is using it. Nah. nah. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> uh, and then there was also um, HashiCon Global, which basically HashiConf North America with a replay in an Asian time zone. Yeah. Uh, that was something new. Yeah, smart. There were like two streams. You could actually like see that also in a in a Asia Pacific time zone, but there was a replay. Yeah. So, global. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, I, I actually just heard from the, doing a live stream about it with uh, three other, two other people who watched the conference. Yeah. And the uh, general sentiment is that we, we haven't seen much new actually there. So if you see the keynote, the first day keynote, there were founders of the company and the CEO saying, yeah, we're getting more customers, more downloads, all, all the all the metrics are trading in the yeah. right direction, everything is up. Uh, that was pretty much it. And then there were three highlights of uh, saying that there will be a collaboration between HashiCorp and Microsoft on integrating Azure AD with Boundary. Yeah. Then there was some talk about Waypoint, and there was some talk about HCP Packer. And HCP is HashiCorp cloud platform. 
that's a way how you could get HashiCorp products be managed by HashiCorp and consume them as a service. Yeah. And HTTP PyCare is uh, a new offering in that cloud, which became public better. So now PyCare will be able to store additional metadata in HCP, and you can query that with Terraform. There are, there are improvements in that, but nothing groundbreaking, really. Yeah. And um, nothing that you couldn't also do before, actually. Well, with um, with uh, AWS or other clients, you could query the IMIs you have. You didn't have meta- metadata, so that metadata yeah. is something they add on top. AWS recently added the possibility to have metadata for IMIs, so like kind of training together, but Thing. So there were a big focus on waypoint and boundary in the keynote, and both products were released last year, a year ago. Yeah. And boundary is a zero trust solution, and waypoint, no one really understands no. what was last year. I still um, don't understand waypoint, actually. And I, I got your comment. So <laughs> Good. I, I had to choose what videos to watch, and I used to be a wall guy doing a lot of wall, but I'm doing less and less walls. I wasn't that much interested, really. And, uh, you know, world is of big corporations, banks, and so on. And none of those are my customers. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with a small startups, and world is overkill for them in many cases. Yeah. Because now public cloud providers provide a similar functionality and keep those clients covered. So I actually thought, well, I would watch the talks about Waypoint yeah. and try to figure out what it is. And I did, and I also tried a couple of the um, tutorials to get my hand dirty with Waypoint. And here is a, a report for you. Yes. About my take on what it is and why they spent one year putting resources in take. Yeah. So, when they just announced Waypoint, they said that will be interface for developers to deploy in a similar way to any platform. Will it be a Kubernetes? Will it be AWS Lambda, AWS ECS? What have you? They have quite a lot of stuff. So it's like one unified way to build and ship deploy applications. Yeah. Actually, uh, sounded pretty much like Docker's promises yeah. in, in some way. Uh, anyhow. At first, it looked like a glorified make file yeah. that you write in HCL, <laughs> where you would say, like, use YCR and then deploy to ECS. That's an yeah. example I had. It was a very short file, maybe like 20, 30 lines. Yeah, Juno, what to ask something? Um, it's more like uh, I've seen this uh, an interesting experiment. If you want, go see how many projects try to actually replace make you know like they all come into the make file and it's a real pain point i also there is a the creator of docker that is now working on a on a new idea called dagger um, and it's uh, using the q q language uh, in order to you you define your uh, your deployment in a descriptive ish language uh, I guess HCL is a little bit similar, but um, th- that problem space is really interesting to follow because it's more like a, a tool that we use daily, but mm. nobody has ever revisited the concept 
of, hey, yeah. how do we deploy? But now with Kubernetes and all those cloud APIs, it, it, there is some kind of, a, like it, the problem space is not infinite that much. It, it's big, but it's like a doable. And, um, yeah, I, I, I can't buy all interest in that because like with Kubernetes, you have kubectl. Uh, it's quite powerful utility. It gives you a possibility to make pretty much anything you want with Kubernetes. But if you're dealing with ECS, for instance, there is like Copilot, uh, ECS CLI, uh, yeah. you have AWS CLI, it's doable, but you have to pass a lot of arguments uh, not usable on a daily basis. So there is actually lacking in there, but it's also not aimed on this. So one thing that they don't mention as much is you also have Waypoint Server. Mm-hmm. So it's not only Waypoint CLI that builds, pushes, deploys, but you also have a Waypoint Server uh-huh. that basically represents all your deployments, all your builds. You could see logs in there. Yeah. You could uh, exec in the container. If you ever saw AWS, ECS uh, console, it's very similar to that, but looks better. And uh, if you're running in the public cloud, again, it's it's nothing groundbreaking for you. But now imagine all those people running private data centers. Yeah. This is product for them. Because if you have like Kubernetes Nomad, Waypoint deploys there, and then you have a public cloud-like portal where they can see all deployments, they can generate like preview environments and stuff. This is for them, for those people, right? And I think this is where the promise is. It's not for the people in the public cloud, but people in hybrid clouds, if we deploy the Kubernetes on-prem, Nomad on-prem, and Lambda, for instance, you would have a unified way of seeing it. And it's no diversion from what HashiCorp was doing, right? It was always aiming at the hybrid environment. And it looks like that with every product they're getting closer and closer to building such meta cloud or like hybrid yeah. cloud that can span cloud providers and uh, private data centers and even your own laptop yeah. at home. You can all have that wired up via the console, have console providing a service discovery, console providing connectivity between all the services, so app mesh, also encryption. Uh, for the secure communication, then you have the boundaries that allows you to connect to a certain uh, to the certain node within your data center, like for only one database instead of providing access to the whole network. Yeah. And you have Vault providing the temporary credentials for boundary to connect to the database, and you know all your deployments kind to Nomad, Kubernetes, and so on and so on. So it's all placed together really well, and. For people in the big companies, like in banks, yeah, I mean, it's a really good solution to look for. It's not for the small companies running the public cloud, right? Yeah, and I'm not saying that there are all the small companies running the public cloud, but for the smaller companies, that might be a little bit too much lift to do with a Azure Core product. But for the bigger companies where they they have a need to do a hybrid deployment, that's really good stuff, cool. and uh, that's why they keep piling up with waypoint and boundary. That's why they invest so much time into that. So some of the people who came out of the conference expecting the new products, expecting some groundbreaking, 
announcement about Channel 4 or something. <laughs> they came out empty-handed. Yeah. Because it was nothing like that. And Terraform, I, I looked at the Terraform presentation about Terraform roadmap. There wasn't much about it, really. I mean, it was like, yeah, it's stable. We <laughs> do Terraform Cloud, and we do CDK for Terraform. Yeah. Those are things for you to use, the new shiny stuff. And uh, it was, again, in more in a, in a way that you want to do pull me, but look, we have a web portal for Terraform. We have a web portal where you can see a plan yeah. and stuff. The same stuff that Pulumi does. You don't need to go. You wanna you wanna describe your infrastructure using the programming language, CDK for Terraform. Here yeah. you go. <laughs> you don't need to do Pulumi. I was all about like Terraform roadmap. It wasn't really much in the sense of a roadmap. It was more saying like, yeah, we have all those side projects around Terraform. Yeah. But nothing really much coming to Terraform itself. It's stable. It's a very interesting take because, um, well, like my, my head is always in the cloud, uh, to say the least. But I, I would be surprised or more interested to see the percentage of data center or like companies managing their own data center or colocation versus the percentage in the cloud. You know, mm-hmm. like you, there is so much risk associated with. Uh, the, the cloud that still the locality of the data uh, per country is still important. And so a lot of company have to have mm. at least a data center or some kind of hybrid cloud yeah. Yeah. where they, they have. And that's a untapped market, or at least we, we don't see that so much in, uh, you know, no. mainstream. Yeah, we, live, we, we live in our own bubble. Yeah. But mm-hmm. last year, reinvent. And Jesse, in his keynote, mentioned that at the moment, only single-digit percent of the all IT spend goes on the cloud. Wow. Yeah, okay. Which means that there is like more than 90% of stuff running solo out there. Yeah. Wow. But we are also going back now, because I'm setting up this hybrid cloud. I set up, of course, on on-prem cluster. Yeah, but of course we've been able to expand into the cloud if we need resources. I mean, it's no point setting up like a fixed on-prem. If you need more power, of course you go into uh, the yeah, cloud. Yeah, so there are two things, right? So you have uh, companies with their private data centers warming up to idea of elasticity with the public cloud. Yeah, but there is also a public cloud coming to those companies saying, "Look, yeah, you want to have our stuff." We got you covered. Yeah. Look, we have Antas, mm-hmm. right? So that was announced on uh, Google Cloud, Google Next, Google Cloud Next, at least, I think, that now they have decentralized Antas, which doesn't require a connection to GKE at all. Yeah. It could like run completely isolated locally. Yeah. And then on Amazon side, you have EKS and ECS anywhere. Exactly. So you could it's, use your own servers sitting anywhere. Yeah. And, and just, just connect, connect them yeah. to the yeah, Amazon and I think, portal and see them in Amazon. Yeah. Portal. And I think that's good because, I mean, when you're starting the journey of migrating up to the cloud, you probably have a lot of servers in the data centers. It's like, what, what are we going to uh, do with them? They're, you paid for them like years ago, and the Colo mm-hmm. is nothing compared to the cloud. It's, but you don't want to manage them, right? That's the problem. So connect them with EKS Anywhere or, or Google Auth is, is super. Uh, but yeah, but, but also uh, now when I'm looking at like colocation, it's not that yeah. easy to get space in a colocation in Stockholm, mm-hmm. right? They kind of filled up. 
And I mean, two years. Yeah, and, and there, there are local players as well. Yeah. So there, are, there are legislations that require uh, sovereignty of the data. Yeah. And there always will be some local hosters that will give you a space in their local data centers. Yeah. So you can achieve legislation required data yeah. sovereignty. Yeah. And then you might will need have to hook in those guys yeah. with the rest of the stuff you got in the public yeah. data center, or maybe you're a global country, right? Oh, you're a global company, yeah. like international company that spans across the countries, and you want to have a global IT landscape. It's tough to build, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I would say, like, there is a, we were talking about it with Matthias before the podcast starts, and <laughs> You know, making it work is one thing, but day two operation is another thing. Yeah. And yeah. We, we agree that any ce celebration should happen after you have done your day two operation. <laughs> because right. it, yeah. and, and it's more like, okay, you made it work, now secure it. And you realize mm. how much work that is. And the feature are not necessarily visible to the end user. It's more like, mm. no, they expect it. So it's there. Right, yeah. Um, so th there is a big uh, gap between, you know, installing something and have it run after a few months and upgrading mm. and securing everything. I, I think like the, the level of chore that, that is still manual for those things is still way higher. And that's why the, the cloud makes sense, right? Because mm. you, you go much faster in the cloud because you, you outsource most of it. Yeah. Uh, so th there is uh, pros and cons, and I think that um, yeah, on prem is nice. Uh, if but it's it's if you can do without, I think for the business it might be better. So that's a strategy decision, right? It's not really technical. Yeah, no. It's more like when when do you need th that to be ready and lean and mean? Uh, it's yeah, it's but you could also hear people like Corey Queen talking about how dumb it is to have a multi cloud strategy. Yeah, right? yeah, and uh, because then you're just reserving yourself to using the basic primitives, yeah, and you're not taking advantage of all services provided by the cloud. And like you know, with HashiCorp tool, this is what you could do, right? Yeah, so you have one unified IAM through walls and other tools, so they're all interconnected. It's easy to audit, and it gives you the feeling of the public cloud. In your in your private data center or in other clouds, by you know spanning across all of that and interconnecting all of it, yeah. So that very they might be very well positioned to be if if this is where everything goes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have insight because I live in a bubble of startups living in AWS. Yeah. But if this is where industry is going, AWS is uh, uh, Corp is very well positioned. But is it? So if, yeah. Oh, sorry. The so there wasn't much really announced. Yeah. Like no big features that I would say like yes. And also a lot of stuff that was announced on uh, North American conference were kind of released through the previous weeks. Yeah. Right. So they didn't really have anything like yes. Some some major stuff like they had last year. So they basically working on building HCP. And providing SaaS, and then Waypoint and uh, and uh, Boundary, they, they put a lot of effort into that. The rest of the portfolio seems to be stable, not moving as fast. So they're like fixing bugs, rolling out incremental features. 
Yeah. But there are like no not the big no big revolutionary improvements. Yeah, I guess like yeah. one of the biggest pain points of multi-cloud is this uh, access control stuff that is mm. completely custom. It, it's yeah. that's the locking, if you ask me. Like yeah. the, the locking is not the runtime. It's really like mm. how do you secure and give access and audit stuff. It's all the stuff mm. that's around because. I mean, they, they made the promise with the Kubernetes that you could run your stuff anywhere, but they never said, like, what kind of access would you have? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's... And also you have all of the... Uh, all, all of the buzz going on around uh, this uh, ransomware, right? So you have the Biden executive order forcing the... U.S. state officials to move towards the zero trust. Yeah, and then you have a lot of solutions in that space, like we discussed before. You have Cloudflare for Teams with a warp and uh, warp gateway. You have Tailscale. Those are ideal. There are solutions in this space. It's just interesting. Google get the wheel of the marketplace and end up with the biggest share. But yeah, this is where we are. And like zero trust is hard, right? Mm-hmm. You need to get identities to people, strong identities, strong identities to workloads. So it's not just, you know, someone calling your IPI. You need to know who's calling your IPI, like with a sign request and stuff like that. So here is the same, like you know, some, something is connecting to your network. Yeah. Something needs to authenticate itself. Yeah. And Kubernetes kind of helps with uh, service accounts giving identities to the workloads, but you have much more stuff out in the wild, right? Like the virtual machines, other utilities, third-party stuff, and you need to figure out how would you authenticate or how do you know what it is that you're talking to. And then when you know what it is, then the zero trust thing would, whatever control plane you have, would consider is it allowed to talk to another thing? Wants to talk, and then provide a network access. I don't think that it's hard. Yeah, it's a lot of engineering required. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, boundary and the other solutions are really well positioned. Cool, cool, cool. I think yeah. we're running up of time. So, uh, interesting okay. topics, right? The the salsa thing, really cool. Boundary and waypoint. Now that's good with waypoint. I didn't know that you had a server, right? And, and now I see the maybe the benefits with it, right? You should you should give it a try. At least do do uh, the tutorial. Tutorials yeah. are very simple. Takes five minutes, but you get a much better feeling of what it is and what it can do for you. So, and if you need a you know on-prem CI/CD, I think the project Tecton is mm. really good. Yeah. It's uh it's what actually Google use for the hybrid solution like a mm. Well, I've been using Tectron for some while and let us take another episode and talk about yeah. the benefits and the pain and the crying yeah. and the hurting when you start using Tectron. Yeah, I have people using that thing called junk. Let's get back to that. (laughs) But I think with that, we will end this uh, episode. Thanks for Mm -hmm. listening, right? Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
You have been listened to the DevSecOps podcast with Matthias Andre and Julian. For more podcast and notes go to the webpage devsecops.fm. Thanks for tuning in.